Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Um, today, we want to talk about or expound on the most cardinal work of the person of the Holy Spirit. What is his most cardinal work? The Bible tells us in John chapter 14, the 26th verse, if you'll read from the Amplified Version. He says, The comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. Somebody say, all things. And he will cause you to remember or recall. He will remind you of, bring you to remembrance, everything I have told you. That's the primal work of the Holy Spirit. And this, if you have been in this ministry for quite some time, you're no stranger to this reality or expression. But today I want to take you on a journey of breaking this father. There are many things God will give you in this walk of life. One of the greatest gifts God could ever give you is to learn how to commune with the person of the Holy Spirit. To commune with Him. To walk with Him. To learn of Him. is the greatest gift God could ever give you among the many things you could have. Because imagine a life where you're living without personal communion with the one person he left you to represent him, the person of Jesus Christ, and to act on his behalf. I know many Christians who think of the Holy Spirit only as a wind. They think of the Holy Spirit only as a creative force. And rightly said, but those are just the other things that follow his function and person. Abba tells us he was the present one hovering over the face of the deep in Genesis. When the earth was without form and void and darkness was in the face of the deep. And many people don't realize or recognize that there was a story before the earth was without form before the earth was void and dark. The Bible says the earth was not created void. Isaiah says, Thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it. The Bible says, He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no one else. Isaiah 45 verses 18. He says, when you look at the earth, it was created to be inhabited. 
I did not create the earth to be void. What you see in Genesis was not God's original plan, purpose, or establishment concerning the earth. Something happened in the earth that made it empty, void, and inhabitable. Because in that form or shape, the word is tohuva bohu, in that shape, it was not in the way and nature of God to create the earth that way. You agree? So, the Bible tells us where we begin from in Genesis, the earth was without form. Because at the fall of Satan and a third of the angelics, you know, sometimes <laughs> when I think that this guy could convince one third of the angels, I understand why people live in doubt. Eh? Angels, guys who see Jesus, God every day. And this ninja sits down and starts telling them, you know, I can take this thing over. I'm going to give you positions. <sighs> One third of the angelics. So now, I understand why people doubt. I understand. I started to question what language this fellow used. You see also, when you study him, you realized he was given so much. Yeah? Satan was given so much. He was an illuminated angel. He was graced with so much. But that's not for today. So the earth was without form. It was void. Because Satan at the fall, he messed up everything God had made in perfection. So Isaiah goes by the Spirit and sees that when God made the heavens and the earth, he made it for himself and not in vain, but that man would inhabit it as his creation. So, in its wastage, God had to rebuild it again for man to inhabit. And that's the place where the person of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is hovering over the face of the deep waiting for the instruction. Let there be. He becomes the executing person to manifest forth. In fact, the Hebrew says, light be, right? Plants be. It's not let there be, it is be. In other words, the mind of God concerning a thing in its own is the glory and potency of creation that when that comes to his mind and he says let it be it's the image of the mind of God that brings forth the manifestation and design of everything and there's something beautiful about that because if you get to the understanding that actually the perfection of love to the place of getting or building the confidence you require on the day of crisis comes with the affirmation that as he is, so are you in this world. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. He only needs to think a thing and that thing is established. You'll understand why even with the Tower of Babel, God was not in it. They did not have the blessing of God. 
But because they had one language and one speech, the Bible says nothing that they think <laughs> will be restrained from them which they imagine to do. God is not in it. They don't have the blessing of heaven. God is against what they are doing. Babylon comes from that word Babel, the Tower of Babel. And Babel means confusion. The spirit of confusion is at play among men. But because they have one language and one speech, they imagine something and they have the ability to build it by imagination. And guess what? They wanted to build up to heaven. And God looked on them and said, actually they can without God. Why? Because they are in the image of God. So, you learn to think right. Because everything that comes in imagination, you have empowered to happen real time. How do you just live and you imagine to die? You know, the people are like that. They just imagine they're in a car accident, they see themselves in a coffin. You are creating it. Imagine you change that imagination and start seeing yourself at a hundred, running on a treadmill. Do you know what it does? Even before prayer. Even before prayer. Just to think yourself right. That is why when I talk about the casting down of imagination, the true war of a believer is to refuse what you don't want to see. And then train your heart and your spirit. And eventually then learn to instruct yourselves because scientists say they've discovered now that human cells have memory. It's called cellular memory. Scientists have actually proved that the human DNA, DNA, small as a little drop that you could place on the finger of a human being, a little drop like that, it can store more than 770 terabytes of data. One DNA. And they proved it by storing data on it. They extracted DNA of a human being, stored data on it, 770 terabytes. When they stored it, they downloaded it from it again and put it back on a storage device and it was still playing. It was playing. Everything they had stored on that data was playing. They began with a GB. It worked. They started pushing it to a place where they say, how much can one DNA take for data until they get into terabytes, 770 something. Now, think about it. If everything you are is as a result of your DNA, let's just say in your DNA, there is a conflict of diabetes. It means it's a stored data. It's stored a gene of diabetes. So now, in whatever they're trying to build in the latest technology of treating people, they realize now, if it can store data, it means you can enter a human being's DNA, remove what you don't want and put what you want. By science, okay, these are the conversations you're hearing now of now where they're going to start reversing aging and things. It's big, it's big, it's big. Think about it, think about it, think about it. That means, if they can store data, what do you think when you're thinking or speaking you're doing to yourselves? Now you understand the power of repetition? I will not die. I will not die. You're trying to make it record. I refuse to die. I refuse to die. Philemon 1.6, the communication of my faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in me, which is in Christ. Faith is effectual when you just learn to acknowledge every good thing. 
I shall live and not die to declare the goodness of the Lord, the wonders of the Lord among the living. When you continue speaking those things, you're rewiring yourself. Scientists are discovering what the gospel has preached for years. Are you following what I'm saying? They are simply confirming what we have known for ages. Except that many people don't teach this. Today, the church is teaching more of what the world is teaching. It's fallen wisdom. Praise the Lord Jesus. But go back to this. The person of the Holy Spirit was there to execute everything. And it was executed as so. And I shudder to even think that someone who was hovering over the face of the deep is in that little small woman. Do you understand? It's in that usher. It's in the security guy. It's in you. He's in you. Let there be. And then he executes. He's with you. He's leading. He's teaching you. He's teaching you. The Bible says you were sealed with him to the day of redemption. Tap somebody lightly and tell them I'm not ordinary. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Shapra de gazumbra de gatokasa. Rako zebra da go shinte kapara de go sepra de gazogodo. I'm not ordinary. You're a being of power. You're not ordinary. You're not ordinary. But he said, when I gave this person to you, it was expedient for you to know that his most important responsibility in your life was to teach you. Because you cannot work with him when you have not learned. Remember this person, the Bible says, searches out the bottomless things of God. Corinthians says, and he reveals them to us. See, the Bible says that the hidden things belong to God and the things that are revealed to us are for us and to our children. The hidden things belong unto God. And then he gives you the person who will reveal all the hidden. You understand? That is why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the things that were freely given to us by Christ. Oh. So, some of you just use him only to speak in tongues. But that's all. You don't commune with him. You don't talk with him. You don't ask him. You don't. You're not with him. You only use him when you're in trouble. That's what I said. The greatest gift you can ever have in this Christian life is to learn to hear the person of the Holy Spirit. He will change your life when you hear him. I look at pastors who preach and minister from their own mind. They minister from their own experiences. They minister from tradition and forbidden wisdoms. There's such a thing called forbidden wisdom. Because they have never had an opportunity to hear. To hear. The Bible says in Revelation 2.17, Let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying. Oh, but you have written everything concerning the churches. You've talked about Theatira. You've talked about Laodicea. You've talked about Pergamos. You've talked about all of these churches. But in whatever he has written concerning these churches, he's saying there's a spirit speaking behind. 
What many of you meet when you're reading your Bible is you meet the surface of what you read and interpret it in the context of where you are able to understand. But he's saying if you only took this a notch up higher, there is somebody willing to explain to you. He's speaking more than what is being written. And he says, that is where your true war is. That's where your true war is. That's where the true war of the mind is. To make sure that you are plugged in in whatever is being explained as God is speaking. That's why he says unto him that overcometh. He says, I'll give him to eat of the hidden manna. Wow. In the Old Testament dispensation, you have a figure right there. An example of whatever sustained Israel through the wilderness. The Bible says they were not feeble. None of them were sickly. Isn't it? They were strong men. They were feeding from one meal falling from heaven. Morning and evening. Of course, that's the mystery of how many times you should eat a day. Oh, let's talk about it. When God fed the children of Israel, manna fell morning and evening. So he precisely said, a human being would have enough to eat twice a day. But some of you, you begin from 3 a.m. You're shooting. 6 a.m. 10 a.m. breakfast. What fast are you breaking? <laughs> then you have lunch. Then you have evening snack with some uh, tiramisu or chocolate cake. Then you have dinner. And then you ask yourself why you're not breathing. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. But are you following what I'm trying to say here? Are you really following what I'm trying to say here? He says, I'll give of him the hidden manna. Because there are things you will never find in a textbook. There are things you'll never read on a CD. You'll never hear on a flash disk. You might never learn on a YouTube teacher, even from your pastor. There are things he will show you. And you know, the Lord showed me something years ago. He told me, do you know I can show you something I have never showed any man before. See, the God you're dealing with owns the eons. He owns the ages. And revelation is availed against the age. Revelation is revealed against the age. There are things by virtue of the age you're in, you will know that many in the previous ages might not know. But he has a way because he's bottomless. Corinthians says they are the bottomless things of God. God has not run out of revelation. He's an infinite one. And you are an infinite being by nature in a finite body. God can reveal to you something no man has ever seen. God can open your ear to hear something no man has ever heard. Whether you're a preacher or you're a business person or you're a career person or you're an engineer or you're a lawyer or you are a doctor, wherever God has called you, should you connect to something earth has never connected to, the earth will submit to yield to that vision. Because remember, the earth was designed in honest expectation for your manifestation. Have you ever asked yourself why Elon Musk has been, I think, the richest man for some time until recently lost his money? 
I think he lost quite a lot in just a few days. But did you know why Elon Musk is one of the richest, has been the richest man for quite some time? Study his vision. Study how he's thinking. You realize that some of these men are not rich by chance or coincidence. There's something forcing the earth to yield its substance. For a man who sees things beyond the three-dimensional world. In fact, if you listen to this man, you see fifth, sixth-dimensional thoughts. I've listened to him. And sometimes when he's speaking, I realize many people don't even understand where he's speaking from. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, there is a power within this universe that not only yields, but provides for men and women who see things others are not able to see. That's why we celebrate Albert Einstein. That's why we celebrate Nikola Tesla. That is why we celebrate Graham Bell. That's why we celebrate all of these wonderful inventors and innovators of human history because they connected to a realm human beings had not thought about before. And to think for a minute that the child of God, a believer, has more grace and access to these realities than anybody else. <laughs> it tells you how far the church is. It tells you how far the church is. As a preacher, I should be able to access things that are inaccessible. But as a business person, you ought to also access ideas from heaven that cannot be accessed. As a doctor, as a lawyer, as a journalist, this far you have earned from other men's wisdoms. God has to build something on your spirit through you to answer the questions of the next generation. Somebody just take five seconds and receive that thought. Just receive it in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. He, the spirit, is teaching. His responsibility is to teach you. And Corinthians has called them the bottomless things, the unsearchable riches. They're all available for you to teach you the ways of God, for you to earn some sort of prudence, to be efficient and effective in the ways of God, such that you don't leave this world a victim, the circumstances, the elements that you find in the world. The world is full of trouble. It says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome everything in it, the disease in it, the pain in it, the struggle in it, the strife in it, the troubles in it. He said, I have overcome the world. That means if there is anything you should exercise yourself into is to hear the teaching of God and to understand the dimensions of his instruction, the ways by which he teaches. You remember the disciples who find a man casting out devils and they refuse him to cast out devils? You remember those disciples? Do you know what their problem was? Their problem was who taught this man because we know Jesus to teach one way. Who taught this one? How did this one learn? Because some of you think that everybody has to go to a Bible school. Everybody has to go through some training. And I recommend trainings. But there are things that cannot be taught in theology school. 
I recommend it. And I, I send many of my students there. Listen. Only to a point where we will light you up, awaken you to hear God. When you hear God, we are not going to limit how far you will go. No. 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 There is more in God. There is way, way more. Let me tell you, the Lord showed me something years ago and told me, do you know, when I look at what Paul did and I look at your generations, I expect you to explain where Paul could not. He expects us to explain where Paul could not because Paul just laid the foundation. But people don't live in foundations. They live in buildings. Did you get it? If he built a foundation, he says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. There has to be a wisdom to interpret everything Paul laid. And in his own lifetime, he did not have enough time to explain all of that. But by scripture, we can explain what he meant. The glory of the latter church shall be greater than the glory of the former. Paul's church, the church of Paul's day, is former. The church you're living in right now is latter. Do you understand what I'm saying? Paul is saying, begin from here and go further. Jesus said, the things that I do, you shall do and greater things shall you do. Now, if Jesus could submit himself to walk through you more efficiently than he was when he was in the flesh, why do you think it ends with him only? The revelation of Paul is advancing. Our generation is connecting to more. And our children will teach more. Be not deceived. If Christ is not yet back in the next 100 years, you'd be shocked. Because you see some of your parents don't think that the things that right now, you're even because there are things I explain, you're like, hey, these things. <laughs> Pastor, I've not understood this. There's a kid here. They are two years. They are three years. They are sitting in this thing. What do you think their spirits are taking in? When you play these summons in your house and you're holding your baby, what do you think their spirits are learning? Because spirits, spirits are aged differently from the physical body. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you. Can he call you without a conscience, without some sort of... Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why I tell you, eh? there's somebody in this room, you're pregnant, but you don't know that that kid in there is receiving. Now, what we are teaching at our age, your two-year-old is connecting to already by understanding. The children who are still in your loins, not yet born, they are listening. And the day that egg is formed, it will be formed with some understanding. There are great days ahead of us. <laughs> Our children will not go through what we have gone through. They will not struggle. They will not struggle. Because understanding will be available for them. Oh, daddy, headache. You know what to do. 
What did we discuss? Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Somebody shout amen. amen. That's where we're going. Our children will not struggle. You know, already, some of you got this thing at 40, 50, but already your life has changed. <laughs> eh? Your life has changed. Do you know many of you, before you joined Fanero, you were perpetual warriors. You were worried about everything. Who can testify of that? You were perpetual warriors. Everything used to scare you. Everything, 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 everything. Now something can come and you say, but no. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. The Bible says that they'll go out with joy and they'll be led with peace. The way of peace is a leading. But somebody had to construct you. They had to build your spirit every day to listen to certain things and they change your mindset. That even when those things back in the day you could hear and they would make you faint, you hear them and you say, No! I can't stand. Why? Because the message has come. But like fear left you also. There are other things that are changing within your family. You're seeing how people are getting born again. You're seeing how your children are changing. Some of you are seeing your spouses are changing. What is the gospel doing? It's transforming you. Now, imagine you met this at university. That's why I tell you university people, don't play. Yeah, that's why we are going in the secondary schools. That's why we are designing for pre-primary. Says so that by the time our children learn to speak, they are speaking right. The kid is learning to speak, but you say, I'm a motanya kokaya. Motanya kokaya. Yeah, they will understand later, but let them speak it. <laughs> Somebody shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. So, back to what I was trying to tell us here. You learn. You learn every day because you've opened your heart and spirit to the person of the Holy Spirit. And then, like I said, there's a man casting out devils because God taught him differently. And there are many dimensions and dynamics of teaching. I've had experiences where Jesus would appear. That realm I have seen many times. He just comes and sits and speaks. And I start writing notes. I've had experiences where I go into trances. I've had experiences where he has appeared and I'm sober. I've had experiences where he has had to call my name out to hear something men are not able to hear. You see, when you go back to Revelation 1, he gives you a white stone. And in the white stone, he will write a new name, which no man knoweth, saving him that receiveth it. Some of you think these are just words. They're not just words. There are certain instructions or teachings, or revelations, that come with your naming in the spirit. They come with your name in the spirit. Because you're named a certain way in the spirit realm. Those instructions call to that name. That's how you know you're ranked. You're not ranked by, you know, what people say or by the numbers people. No. The ranking of the spirit is different. It's different. It's not what people see. It's not how people judge the world. It's not by, you know, YouTube or television or what. No, no, no. It's deeper than that deeper than that. Jesus had 12 men who were still talking about him. 
You see? God ranks us differently, but he can name you to elevate your place of instruction. And then you'll be shocked the secrets he'll tell you. Bible says the spirit of the Lord will tell you things to come and you won't need to be a prophet. You just need to be assigned right. By virtue of where I'm placed in the spirit, there are things God cannot hide from me. And I don't need a prophetic eye to see that. I just need that office. I have to know. You understand what I'm saying? This is not pride, it's truth. Shall I hide this from my servant? Because where he is, there's no way God can do without telling him. You see? And do you know you can get that relationship? This is not for only Apostle Grace and a few special men of God on television. This is something that can happen to you personally. God can grow you to a place where he will have to entrust you and tell you this, this. But it's going to begin in those little small things. To be faithful in the little. Can your spirit handle this? Can your spirit handle this vision? It's like one time back in the day when I was growing up, God brought knowledge to my spirit of people that were discussing me, were talking about me and negatively. And so by the spirit I went and saw happen. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does. And eh, I was annoyed. I said, God, eh, let me go and show these guys. Let me go and show them that I am a managa. How? How? You know? And then the Lord told me precisely, precisely the very reason why I don't want you to go to them. Because it's not in them discovering that you have seen this. Because that is not going to transform their hearts. But it is in you knowing who they are. And you'll still love them unconditionally. He told me, if you can do that, then I'm growing you. And do you know somebody destroying you in a meeting? And then the next day you sign them a check. Then you tell them, the Lord told me to bless you. You'd look like you're so dumb. See, many of you don't understand how Jesus would live with a thief and entrust him with money. I imagine there's a person who'd look at Jesus and say, eh, but if this is the son of God and he can see Nathaniel under a tree, how can he not see this fellow stealing? Because to God, there are more important aspects of redemption than relying on investing on the weakness of one man. Because God is not there. He's not where that man is. He's way wiser than that. Do you understand? There are people you're going to know that they're weak, but you'll be patient with them. Not because you don't know what they do or say, but because you're mature enough to handle it. I mean, put yourself in Jesus' shoes. How many things have you done? Your brother doesn't know, your mother doesn't know, your wife doesn't know, your kids don't know. You know them alone and you're like, ay, 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 ay. Have ever seen Jesus opening the heaven saying, now I'm going to expose you, Anita? No. Love constraints. You see? So now, to get to that point of being taught, I had to restrain myself with some sort of character. Because I cannot hear God concerning certain things if my heart is not consecrated enough to forgive even when I know who is harming me. You see? So there are dimensions, various dimensions of instruction. But I want to give you one today because of time. You see, 
the bible speaks in a uh, Luke 12 a story is given verses 11 He gives a situation where because of your faith because of your convictions and the things God is doing through you of course if any man will leave God in Christ he'll suffer persecution but he has given a hypothetical uh scene where you are arrested somewhere in the market you've been opening a blind eye or you are arrested somewhere Uh, and put before a council or a synagogue to answer for the atrocities quote and unquote not that you're a bad person but hey Jesus was crucified for doing miracles you understand the poles were beaten even after doing miracles if you recall the man who was possessed by a legion huh? in fact uh, i think uh, some gospels speak of two men one or two but this one uh, was carried deliberately because i think his story was chief in luke huh? when jesus rebukes the devil out of this man the bible says the swine in which the demons were sent fall off the cliff and the caretakers of the swine go back to the city to tell people what was done and the bible says and the people came to jesus after they had heard what he had done and besought him to leave their country they told him go the man has just done a miracle and they told him go now you understand why the demons insisted to stay in the country why they say don't cast us out of this country you get it so yeah some of the things we're dealing with You're not bad people. You know you're not wicked men, you, but you're dealing with principalities, you're dealing with spirits of wickedness. And so, you even with your most well-meaning heart, you can enter the blackest book a person has in their house. Just imagine you were in that circumstance. Just imagine in that circumstance. And Luke tells you, let's read the amplified version, Luke 12 verses 11. When they bring you before the synagogues and the magistrates and the authorities he says do not be anxious beforehand how you shall reply in defense or what you are to say for the holy spirit will teach you in that very hour and moment what you ought to say now i kid you not many of you who have ever read this portion of scripture or heard it being preached you almost have heard all your life that this scripture saying the holy spirit will tell you in that very hour what you ought to say but the scripture has not said will tell you the scripture has said the holy spirit will teach you that very hour what you ought to say is there a difference there's a difference it's one thing for you to stand before a council and you're in trouble and then the holy spirit is whispering in your ears you tell them that number one, you were falsely accused can you say I was falsely accused. You are not in that place at 4 p.m. like they are sat. I was not in that place at 4 p.m. like they are sat. In fact, you are having pork with Pastor Ronnie. I was having pork with Pastor Ronnie and then they listen and confide in each other and say guilty or not guilty? Who's not guilty? Ah. So we've acquitted you. Go. We come out and say, "Hey, 
the Holy Spirit gave me an answer to take me out of trouble. I could have been implicated and taken to prison. And God said, that's not how I work. To do that is to take you out of a trouble you can never take yourself out of or another man. Because in taking you out of that trouble, you did not receive the instruction to come out. I don't want to just take you out of it. I want to teach you in it. Such that when you come out of it, you come out with the instruction not either to go back in it and lose. Are you following what I'm saying? Or that if a man is found in that trouble, you have an answer for them. But you see, this kind of teaching of the Holy Spirit is not like a scribe waiting on the Lord. It's not like somebody on a prayer mountain. It's not we had a court case tomorrow morning, so I went on the mountain and sought God and prayed and fasted. Perhaps he might give me the language and words and reveal to me what they're going to ask me so I can answer. This one was to come real time downloading from heaven on some speeds of internet of megabytes per second coming through your spirit. But one, to give you understanding and also give you the language to articulate yourself out that you come out of that trouble both with the victory that is required but with the understanding of the way to come out. That kind of teaching, like I said, is not on a desk. It's not when you're in prayer mountain. But yet, it cannot be defined so distinctly on your life when you have not been faithful with the other ways by which you can be taught by the Holy Spirit. You're not going to jump to that without following the first patterns, the first principles of the oracles concerning hearing the person of the Holy Spirit. Be faithful in the little, God entrusts you with more. This mostly works for the man who has known to study for years, who has known how to position themselves to hear God, who in the first place can actually hear the Holy Spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? But as you continue growing in this, certain teachings and instructions come so fast, and that's why I introduce you to this word called unction. 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 Unction is the power by the person of the Holy Spirit to come to a knowledge of a thing at a speed beyond your mind, your carnal mind could understand or interpret. That's what they call unction. The Bible says we have an unction from on high. Doesn't the Bible say so? You have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. Think about it. If I brought right now a computer and I told you, dismantle this computer and go to the motherboard and explain to me the circuits that you use and the process you use to build a motherboard. If you didn't study IT, you don't know anything. Isn't it? You don't know anything. The man who would do that would be a man who knows how they build a motherboard. But First John 2.20 has given a provision where you can know how to build a motherboard. Eh, eh? Look at you. First John 2.20 has said 
There is an unction that can come on you that did not have prior knowledge, preparation, or training that can equip you with the understanding of building that motherboard by the Holy Spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? We have an unction from on high. We know all things. It's a place of consecration for men who have truly understood how the realm of faith works. Because such experiences are evidences. They are evidences of things not what? Seen. They're substances of things hoped for. These experiences are only in the realm of faith. And this is the exact thing. He went before a synagogue. He didn't know what to say. And he reached there. And he was told what to say. He wasn't told. He wasn't told. He was told in that very hour. That means God is speaking in that very hour. Giving understanding of things that this man might have not been awakened or conscious to earlier. But that at play giving answers to those that must hear him. Yet he's not stayed at where he has answered them. He has transcended. That's the power of unction. That I saved two portions of scripture today. For your sermon. And God gave me a sort of outline of where I was going. But many things I have taught this afternoon. Are given. As I'm standing before you. Do you understand? So, I have the foundation of having walked with God and being taught. He spoke to me last night on what to share or early this morning. I put these scriptures on play. Probably I've shared more than 40 scriptures since I started speaking. That is not from my sermon notes. That is why if you had the first service, it's different from the second. I can't repeat the service because I'm unctioned. As I'm trying to repeat it, there's a spirit there provoking my spirit with some hunger. And when it provokes my spirit with some hunger, I find myself pouring out in another dimension, speaking things that that spirit needs. And perhaps the person in the first service did not need it. Or if they did, they'll repeat this sermon. You see what I'm saying? So for as long as you'll hear me, you'll learn something new. For as long as you'll hear me. For as long as you hear me. Why? Because I plugged into an action. There are things I know how to do. I just can't explain, but I know them. When I read the Bible, the reality of understanding in my spirit is so stirred with something so old. It's ancient. It can't be learned in a Bible school. It cannot be trained under a tutor. No, it's in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? And as you continue to exercise yourself in this unction, Oh, I'm giving you something so big. I'm giving you something so big. So big. These men and women of God who I minister with, they know that you're going to write a sermon. But then as you're writing your sermon, you're preaching, things start coming. They start coming and connecting. And you come out of that sermon and you're like, I know what I knew. But I also see what was given by the other knowledge. 
that my mind did not know. This thing can go to a worshiper. When a worshiper is ministering under anxiety, they might sing the same song that was on the line, but their spirit will minister it differently. I'm not saying they'll sing a different song. I'm only saying you will write your seven songs for them to sing. But as they sing one song, the nuances that come with the unction of the spirit will minister through that worshiper things that go beyond that song. And the people listening to that worshiper will say, I knew this song, but from the time this man sang it, it's making sense. Do you know there are people when they sing a song, that's the day you fall in love with it. It was there, it was in the background, it was like background noises. Until a guy got a mic and worshiped in the same song you knew. That is given by action. It's given in that hour. He can't prepare himself. If he does, he'll fail because God needs that man to be vulnerable enough to yield. That's the wisdom behind all creative faculties, all arts. Any artist can tell you, anybody who you realize is that free flow that comes from what God put within and it's not prepared for. And I'm not saying that there's no preparation prior to that qualification. There is a preparation to that qualification, but when you're in your eye in there, it's not about that preparation. It's about something you could have never designed on your own. And it comes out naturally. I've written songs. I've just not yet put them in studio yet. But I'll tell you, almost all the songs I've written, either they came in vision when I was sleeping. There's a time I was in the heavens and I heard angels singing and I heard a song. And when I heard this song, I just woke up and recorded it on my phone. You understand? This was heaven, live, real, real time, listening to worship. And then a song came and I heard them singing. So I woke up and wrote that. You see, that is not something that I just said, let me now pause. You see what I'm saying? Those are experiences that came. And if you find worshippers, people who write songs, you realize they'll tell you their experiences where they wake up and a certain rhythm is on their heart. Yeah? Any worshipper, anybody who has that had that experience, you just wake up and a certain thing is singing in there. You woke up to it. You didn't plan it. You just woke up and something was singing in your heart. A rhythm. And then it starts making sense. It looks beautiful. Oh, oh, oh. And, and some of you lose it. There. You forget it. No. Record it for yourself. You won't give it to the world. At least let it minister to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it happens with this council, it can happen with every other aspect of life. That one day, you can find yourself in some trouble that you had not prepared revelation for. That you had not prepared the text for. That you had not prepared an answer for. You saw an accident happening before your eyes. And God says, yes, even though that accident is happening in two seconds, eh? I can teach you in the first second. Did you get it? It says that by the time the second second takes place, you have already answered it. That man cannot die in a car accident. Did you get what I just said? That man cannot die in a car accident. Oh, you one time are walking and then a sudden pain hits you. Sudden pain from nowhere. 
And in that very moment, the Spirit teaches you. He says, say, I have the life of God. Not because I've given you that word, but because it means that you having the life of God in you, nothing in your body can withstand the life of God in your spirit. That is not just an instruction for the spirit to tell you what to say. He has taught you why you should say it. And for men who have walked under the unction, you realize it can happen even below a second. God can even speak to you in a microsecond. Your spirit doesn't respond the way your brain does. That is why you can have a vision, especially visions in dreams. You know, there's, there are people who dream, you know, coincidentally. But as you continue to grow in God, you even know how to dream a dream. Like, you can participate in maturity when you're having a vision with God. But if you have walked that realm before, you realize that God can show you something, a vision in a dream, and it takes place in your vision or dream, it takes place like in 15 seconds. Then you want to tell it. When you want to tell it, you find yourself speaking for 20 minutes. Explaining a vision or a dream that came to you in 15 seconds. But when you start explaining, it's as though God has taken you through ages of time in your spirit. But when you try to come to the world of men, you need many hours to explain or minutes to explain it. How do you be in a dream and say, then I was in Kampala. Now you're in a dream. And then I met uh, Pastor Joshua. And I don't know for some reason, we were in Mokono. Now, there was a distance between Kampala and Mokono. If you were in the world of men, you'd have driven maybe 30 or 40 minutes to get to Mokono. But in this vision, it was a split of second and you were in Mokono. That means when the Bible says that the flesh profited not and the spirit quickeneth, you must understand exactly what I mean. The life of God through the person of the Holy Spirit can converge things and reconcile ages before you in seconds. In university, I had a vision and I was met by an angel, a messenger of God. In my vision, he took me from the beginning of the earth and started to show me distinctions of anointing. And he started to show me distinctions. And then he showed me my land. Then he showed me from the beginning of the earth. He showed me um, in this age there was a fellow like this. In this age there was a fellow like this. In this age there was a fellow like this. In this age, there was a fellow like this. And the man looked at me straight in the eyes and said, you're the next. You understand? Now, I can't explain it to somebody because they need to have been there. But in a night, I traveled ages. In one night, I traveled ages. Anxious. 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 There's somebody in this room. You have dealt with some trouble. Let's say. Curable disease, HIV, you have diabetes, you have hypertension. These things in your body, they are playing you. But you have never applied anxious. Because you don't know. Because there's that which teaches you in the time of trouble. 
should the angel of death come for you and you're not ready? You understand? There are things by unction that can be taught you to change and cancel that death and say no. Not because the pastor told you, but in that hour you were taught. In that hour you were taught. And some of you, it will be the difference between life and death. Otherwise, for you to die, you don't even need to be sick. Did you know that? But this guy was healthy. And you see, there's a person right now who is in hospital for six months and they're on the verge of death, but they'll pull out in December. There's a person who is healthy walking this road and they're collapsing dead in the next second. What's the difference? One is strong, one is weak. But life and death or the power that comes with that is defined differently in bearing, in design and wisdom. Are you following what I'm saying? Now imagine you're in some sort of trouble. You woke up one day and something gripped your leg. And God says, here, I want to teach you how to come out of this. Or remind you what you did once when this came. And you know there are people who don't have that experience? Things come like, what do I do? What do I do? They start calling. And you know, you have built a life that is so carnal. Some of you, you respect science more than the world. You respect opinions more than the world. You have experiences of, you know, relative narratives. Oh, this person coughed and then they died. I'm coughing. Therefore, shake somebody and tell them fire. This is a lesson. Never stake your life on a relative story. Never. Why? Because in the very world you're living in, there's a man who has defeated the very thing that killed the next man. Why don't you be among those who have defeated? The Bible says, no temptation has befallen you save that which is common to man. Because sometimes when you're going through things, you might think you're the only one going through that pain at night. And if I ask how many people went through some pain last night, they might put up their hands. And if I get this collective number sample, you might find like eight or nine people in the same room went through the same pain, even worse in this same building. But one will die of it and another one will age. Do you understand the difference? Because one is instructed and another one is not. So when he says there is no temptation except that which is common, it is because you might go through something and think you're the only one going through it. Let me tell you, some tests in life make you feel lonely. They isolate you even from those who love you most. You can go through a pain and your husband, your wife, not even your child can understand. Are you following what I'm saying? And when you go through that, you can think, eh. But God tells you, even that which you're going through alone, it is common. It's not new. But he's saying, but I am faithful. The Bible says, God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able? What am I trying to say? He's saying, before I allowed, if I allowed it, or probably you're the one who let it on yourself. But the fact that in you letting it on yourself, I allowed it to touch you. I could not allow you to be tried beyond what you're able. I first weighed your potential, your ability, 
the grace and wisdom operating on your life and I let it. Otherwise, I would be unfaithful to allow something that you can't circumnavigate through. To allow something that you can't win. If you are dealing, say, with hypertension, the fact that it could come on you, it means you could fix it. There are people, if it went on them, it would kill them the next day. But you're still moving. Because God cannot try you beyond what you are. He first looked at how powerful you are. And when that trouble began, he said, she can handle. I just need the opportunity to teach you when you're in that trouble. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And then he starts mentioning. For he says, I will not tempt you above that which you are able, but will with the temptation, that very thing, also make a way for you to escape that you might be able to bury. Now, this is where you missed it. This is where you missed it. How does he in the very temptation make a way? By teaching you in the trouble. In that very hour, he will give you a certain wisdom, a certain revelation, some portion of scripture that flew by one day when Apostle Grace was preaching. It will come back in your spirit. And you'll find yourself saying the very word by understanding. And then your body will come down. In that, with that very temptation, he will make a way. But ways are made through instruction. Never forget this. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Now, you might speak to that issue. You might speak to that circumstance. And it refuses to change. You've been praying about this thing, but you know, you, every time you go to check for diabetes, it's the same thing. Every time they check your pressure, it's still higher. You know, they check your cancer, whatever's are growing. One, why are you still alive? In spite of those figures. The following. But two and more deeply, Jesus walked a fig tree once. In one account, there's where he cast it and it immediately withered. There's an account where he cast it and it withered. But there's also an account. He's walking with the disciples. He walks to a tree, finds nothing. He curses it. He curses it and he walks away. The tree he cast stayed there. No leaf fell off. No fruit fell off. Nothing. Nothing. The Bible says the next day, as they were passing by the same tree, the Bible says, the fig tree had dried up the next morning. It took hours. It can take months. It can take weeks. It can take a year. But if you can confirm in your spirit that you killed it by some teaching, the symptoms are inconsequential. You know, some of you, you have a witness. You live by feeling. If you live by feeling, you will die tomorrow. You can even die now. Because you can feel like dying. You can feel like dying any day. I mean, a man can even feel like killing themselves. But if they act on it, they are gone. They just shall live 
by faith. We don't live by the digits of your hypertension. Uh, I don't know who I'm helping. We don't live by what the doctors have said. We don't e- I'm sorry doctors if you're here. We don't even live by the science. Otherwise there are many people in this room who are supposed to be scientifically dead. I don't know who I'm talking to. There are people in this room you were supposed to be scientifically dead. But there is another equation that has kept you alive. Oh, you know it killed his brother and then it also killed a certain man. This thing, oh, that is we used to have a neighbor, the lady passed away. I love this old woman. We were very close friends. But when she visits, eh, the problem I used to find with her was her narratives. You're dealing with malaria. They tell her, "Oh, her grace is sick." So she comes. Eh, malaria? <laughs> It's bad. You know, there's a lady down there, Mama Bali's grandson. He also feels sick like this. And the boy died. Then as you're trying to relieve that death, it's oh, oh, it's even nothing. Go down there at Mr. Karuna's place. Hey kid, something. Now you're like, they start relieving it. Yes, those people died. I'm still alive. Shake somebody and tell them I am not a victim. They speak about a man that has defeated the man before that's relative it's not absolute truth absolute truth is in the word of god let god be true and every man a liar if they've never survived it you're going to survive it how many people died of covid many but look at you you coughed you breathed you lost you died you. you say i refuse to die oh People younger than you died. People healthier than you died. People stronger than you died. You coughed, you breathed, kabuti, what? Covid In you sweated what? You put on the summons. One of our pastors went through a bad one. And then they told us, "Oh, this one is going what? What?" <laughs> I just told his wife just get summons that one I'm not even going to call him he's not serious he has to pray himself out <laughs> so the guy will be nice to you passes out he wakes up the moment he wakes up he says I cannot die he goes back <laughs> he comes back again he says I cannot Die. He goes back. Now, what made me laugh is at one particular point he woke up. And the doctors come to him and then says, oh, "Doctor, help that one. That one is the one who is badly off. <laughs> For me I'm okay." <laughs> Now that is faith. Help that one. Me I'm okay. I'll make it. The spirit of a man. And he walked out. He walked out. Some died but he didn't die. So refuse to stake your destiny on another man's story. Maybe their marriages failed. Yours will not fail. Maybe their ministry failed. Yours will not fail. Maybe their business failed. Yours will not fail. Won't God is faithful. 
Just look for the way. Don't say, oh, what is that? No, look for the way. When you're in that trouble, just look for the way. Look up and say, Holy Spirit, what are we learning today? He's saying, you are slapping back a bit in your confession. I want to teach you how to confess. That's the issue. So this sickness is not for death, no. And you know, it's amazing what faith does. You remember when the Bible says, Abraham considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb, nor his age. Do you know the power in just refusing to consider? There's pain, but you refuse to consider. You just refuse to consider. He considered not his own body. Your heart starts pumping. Poo, 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 poo. Oh my God. No, no. Do you know the power of refusing to consider? That's the thing on the Christ. He had cast the fig tree. The next day, they're walking on the same tree. Jesus doesn't look to check. He looked away. And the Bible says, And Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, you see, the tree which you cast is withered away. And what did Jesus say? And Jesus answered and said, told him, Have faith. Have faith in God. That means Peter's looking was unbelief. You've gotten it. Peter looking was unbelief. You know, we have people who pray, Father in Jesus' name, then they check. It's still there. Father in Jesus' name. It's still there. In the name of Jesus. Then they check their breast. You will die. Ah 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 Die! Look away. What if it continues swelling? Consider not. Just raise your mouth and say, Father, I thank you. Because this was dealt with long ago. Let me tell you, if you keep doing that, there is no way God can ashamed you. But I'm talking of the man whom they have to remind to look. Because he's too convinced that even if I left it fresh, there is no way it cannot die. I cast it. So, yes. Some symptoms can stay or they might linger, but the germ of that disease has been killed. James says like the body is lifeless without the spirit. So faith without works is dead. Act like it's dead. That's what Jesus was trying to say. Why would I look at a dead thing? But you have believers who pray as they're sending people. Go back at 10 and see. Is it dried? No. Go back at 3 a.m. Is it dead? No. Ha, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. 6 a.m. Brother, go and check. Is it dead yet? No. Jesus didn't send one disciple to confirm first with the fear of what if we get on the one they still see it. Even if Jesus had come back and they still saw that tree fresh, it would not change his conviction. Tap somebody and tell them, I'm a fighter. <laughs> Bible says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. And maketh manifest the server of his knowledge by us in every place. That means every triumphant victory comes with a revelation of knowledge to be dispelled through you for the world. Oh, let me make it simpler. Everything you have gone through, one day will be a lesson to deliver another. Like 
That's why I tell you some of you the things we tell you we've gone through we know. We know. I've been on a deathbed and stood up and just said I am not going to die not now. And my body had that we've been there. We know what we are telling you first hand. We've been in trouble and you don't know how to go through and you said this is not going to bury my ministry. And the symptoms continue raving. But your spirit continues affixed to what God has spoken. And then you come through. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is the server of knowledge that comes out of me. And goes in South Africa and does something. And goes in India and does something. And goes in the US and does something. And steps in Rwanda and does something. And goes in Monrovia and does something. Last night a woman showed me a video in Sierra Leone. She puts a screen outside. And people gather just to watch Apostle Grace. Sierra Leone. Everything you're going through is positioning you. It's positioning you. Just be instructed in the things of God. Refuse to give up. Refuse to budge. Eh, 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 eh. The devil is in trouble. The devil is in trouble. Check somebody and tell them the devil is in trouble. You are who you are. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. What you say. Faithful to the end with him. He began your ministry, you finish it with him. 
He began that job. He's with you to the end. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You're blessed in your body. Divine health is yours. Peace is yours. Victory is yours. Progress is yours. Love is yours. Increase is yours. Multiplication is yours. Favor is yours. Joy is yours. Peace is yours. Victory is yours. Understanding is yours. Give the Lord a Malakabo praise. The victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, not the doctor's report, not what you're feeling in your body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You say today I want to start a relationship with this Jesus you're talking about I want to fall in love I want to serve him I want to live for him I want to believe him and take him as my Lord and Savior wherever you are repeat this after me say Lord Jesus I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory today I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.